In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. It's not Paul, it's me. You might jump in somewhere in this show, but we'll see how it goes. I've got an amazing guest today as we continue our weekly shows on the draft and doing a different positional room. This week, we're doing the defensive backs, and I'm so pleased to be joined by my favorite face from the draft network. It's John Ledger. John, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's nice to be on the show. I'm glad we finally got a chance to make this work. I know we've been trying to link up and make it happen, but I'm glad that uh, we finally finally were able to nail down a time. No, thank you so much for joining us. So um, we're just going to go through the defensive backs today um, and give you just a uh, all the way through the draft and see who's out there. So we'll kick it off. Cornerback um, is still a need for the Browns. Who's them sort of names available round one? Yeah, I think Byron Murphy makes a ton of sense given the way that they're kind of building that defense. They don't have this big president on size like some of these other teams do. And so I think that he's a guy that can be scheme diverse. I think he's really, really effective zone corner and effective off-man corner is probably his best spot. But he can play a little press when you need him to as well. So, I mean, I love his instincts and his ability to tack the ball from from off. I think that he really does a great job in that. Um, So I think he's a very interesting uh, choice potentially for for Cleveland. Also, I think there's a chance Greedy Williams falls. I think there's a chance he doesn't test quite as elite as what people think and that he falls a little bit down the board. So don't rule him out either, even in the middle of the first round. DeAndre Baker as well. You know, I think that this is a guy who has to run well probably to keep himself in round one. But his tape is good. You know, he's just not that big and he's not that fast. Those guys tend to fall unless he can run a little bit better than expected. Then we'll see, you know, what his weigh-ins, what his measurements are, all that's going to be really important. But he really had a great year on tape this past season. Those are the only three guys right now that I think are in the round one mix. I know some people have thrown out Trayvon Mullen. His tape just isn't good enough for me. Julian Love, but I've heard he's not going to be that fast. Lonnie Johnson from Kentucky said the other day he believes he's going first round. That, that would be a stretch for me. He did do well at the Senior Bowl, but he did not have a very good tape or a very good season. He has very little ball production. So maybe if he tests great, he, he surprises everybody. But those are the only three right now that I say – really look like first round picks although it seems like a sleeper corner always elevates himself through the combine brilliant i always as pff always say if you if you don't take a cornerback in the entire draft you've probably had a bad draft but uh <laughs> I, I love my corners i think there's just so much value there so if we jump down into that second round what's them sort of names that have really interest you there yeah, I think, you know, Julian Love is one. You know, I know I just mentioned him, but I think he has, like, uh, the ability to play inside and outside a little bit. I think, again, not the biggest guy, probably not the fastest guy, but pretty instinctive, actually sort of similar to Byron Murphy in the way that he plays, uh, to be honest. Not quite as physical, I feel like, as Byron Murphy, um, but I do like a lot of things about his game. How he tests will be critical. For almost all of these corners, there's no, like, clear elite athlete amongst the top cornerback names. So testing will be critical in dividing these guys up because the NFL – really does not take on athletic corners high. It just doesn't happen. So, you know, second round, I think you're talking about maybe a guy like Julian Love making sense. Again, I'm just worried. Trayvon Mullen's tape is not that good to me. Um, you know, I know some names like Chris Boyd have been thrown out in this range. 
I, again, I think he's more of a late day three type of prospect, even though I know some people really like him. Um, so I'd say probably I would look at Julian Love or Trayvon Mullen will be considered probably by NFL team tier. The other interesting name is the other two interesting names, I guess, is Lonnie Johnson uh, and Amani Arwarie. Arwarie did not have a great senior bowl. I don't know that he's going to test extremely well. One year starter, but he played a lot as a redshirt junior but really just started his first full season as a redshirt senior at Penn State. Uh, I think he had some really good flashes on tape, but nothing really consistent. Um, so uh, he's a consideration there. And then Lonnie Johnson's all project, but we've seen the NFL do it before. You know, athletic corner, he does play physical in spurts, um, but he gets beat a lot off the line of scrimmage, gets beat vertically a lot, gives up a lot of big plays, does not have much ball production. So he's the risk type corner that's going to go higher than his tape suggests he should. And it's going to all be about whether the NFL can develop him and probably get him the rest of the way to where he needs to be. Oh, brilliant. And then we'll just jump into that third round. Is there any of them names that have uh, wowed you in the third so far? Well, I think that the third round is where it gets a little bit tricky because then some of these guys, you start jumping and maybe into the second round, like a Jawan Williams, you know, he's a bigger corner. I don't know what the prototype is going to, if it's going to change now with the Browns, obviously having some coaching changes, if the prototype's going to change a little bit at the cornerback position. I feel like Jawan Williams, Isaiah Johnson from Houston, those guys are not really the type that's that's been shown here so far. Um, and I don't know that there'll, there'll be a significant shift to that type of corner uh, with John Dorsey's still in place. So um, I would say those guys are probably going to get drafted in this range. I just don't know if it'll be Cleveland that pulls that trigger. Um, the guy that kind of jumps out at me maybe a little bit in this range is Savion Smith from Alabama. Just an interesting player. He got hurt in the national championship game. Looks significant. There's nothing out there right now that I can find. I've been trying to find out what's up with this guy. If he's hurt, there's whispers, but there, you know, people thought he tore his Achilles. I don't know what's going on with Savion Smith, but athletically, he's impressive. He was, I think he was a five-star recruit, one of the top corners in the country, transferred from LSU, started the season at Alabama. There were some really nice flashes when he was an off and zone. He had trouble finding the football with his back to it. He had trouble in press man, getting beat off the line of scrimmage. Everybody remembers the DK Metcalf play to open the Ole Miss game. That was Savion Smith. But I think he's going to test well. He certainly has the billing, good size, has flashed those instincts and that burst from off coverage. I don't know exactly where he's going to grade out for me yet. I was totally shocked he declared. And I talked to some people around Alabama. They were floored he declared. They, nobody thought that was going to be uh, an option on the table for Savion Smith. Everybody was looking to see if Trayvon Diggs would declare. Um, and Diggs went back, and it was Savion Smith that jumped to the draft. That may have been because Pat Sertain was kind of breathing down his neck. Uh, with, with If Diggs would have come back for the national championship game, he and Sertain would have started. Savion Smith would have been on the bench, and Shaheem Carter would have been on the slot. But that isn't necessarily a huge knock on Savion Smith either. They think Pat Sertain's going to be a first-round pick, and Trayvon Diggs was their number one corner going into the year. So read between that the lines a little bit there, and I still think Savion Smith's a player whose best football could be ahead of him. But how significant the injury is will be important and how much teams believe that they can develop the rest of what's there with him. Will he even get to test at the combine? Those are all kind of the question marks with him. But that's, uh, he's another one. And then the last two names I'll throw out at you are developmental guys. Justin Lane from Michigan State, uh, supposed to test well, has the length, uh, has some intriguing traits uh, that he might be worth uh, taking a look at. And Kendall Sheffield uh, from Ohio State, all athlete again. Tape was not that great this year, uh, but uh, he, he is fairly athletic from what I've been told. He's supposed to test well. 
again, you might have a situation where the NFL's you know, jumping on those guys a little bit earlier than they should. Some people would throw Rocky Sin into that mix as well. I haven't seen enough of Rocky Sin yet. I saw him at the Senior Bowl. I thought that uh, there was some things he needed to work on, for sure. Uh, but there's some traits there to like. So there's a lot of names in the third-round range right now. The testing will kind of sort out who goes second, who goes third, and who may fall into day three. So jumping on to day three, um, fantastic transition there. Um, any sort of names in that third round that you really like? Uh, not third round, day three. So right. it could be anywhere there. So just a couple of names, that ones that you've gone, actually, I really like that guy. Yeah, David Long for Michigan is interesting. Uh, not the biggest corner, but he played well. He was just banged up a lot. I felt bad every time I watched Michigan he was getting hurt or banged up or he was missing the game because he was banged up. So I really didn't get to get a good feel for him. He could end up going higher than that. I just haven't seen enough, but I know there's some people who like him out there. Uh, Montreux Hardage from Northwestern, we're probably talking about middle day three maybe with him, but I really don't, I think he played well at the Shrine game. I think he helped himself. And I think that he can be a guy that uh, a steady kind of riser for teams. And then the last name I'll lob out there for an outside corner, at least is Sean Bunting. Uh, he declared early, and not a lot of people thought that he would. I believe Central Michigan. Uh, I get the directional Michigan's confused, but um, I think he, uh, Kyle Krabs over at the Draft Network, who worked with me, he watched him and he said, this guy's intra- interesting for a day three project type of guy that you're going to build up. He definitely had some traits. So those are the three names probably that jump out. Um, the other guy, if you're looking for like a nickel, scrappy type, I really – I think Jimmy Moreland uh, from, uh, from James Madison, who played at the Shrine and got bumped up to the Senior Bowl, uh, not going to be at the combine, I don't believe, but uh, he's going to be a guy that intrigues teams in this range of the draft because he does have a good amount of ball production, um, and he didn't he did get his hands on all the balls when he was there, uh, and that always intrigues teams late in the draft. Uh, as a nickel type, he's really scrappy. He'll give up some plays, but he'll make some too. Uh, and then why not like a guy like Corey Ballantyne from Washburn? Uh, if he tests well, potentially could bump himself into the top 100. Uh, I didn't think he had a great week at the Senior Bowl. Other people were more intrigued. So maybe he's an option there. And then one of my sleepers is Donnie Lewis from Tulane. The senior bowl looked at him, said no. They, he went to the Shrine game. He played really, really well at the Shrine game. I liked a lot of what I saw from him. Uh, and I think he has a chance to be a day three guy. Maybe some inside-out versatility. Maybe he gets bumped inside full-time at the NFL level. But I definitely saw enough traits for him to get kind of excited about what he could be. Brilliant. Um, that covers all the corners and there is so many names for me and listeners to go away and sort of watch more of them guys. If we flip it over to the safeties, we'll clear out, um, the first two days because the Browns aren't, we're happy with peppers. We're happy with Randall. There's some other options in there, but I could easily see day three picks at strong safety or free safety. What sort of the day three players that have, uh, piqued your interest? Yeah, tough to figure out still without testing who's exactly going to be in day three, but I'll throw a couple names out there that I think could be around that range. Sheldrick Redwine started his career in Miami as a corner, switched to safety for the last couple of years, has played a little bit of single high, has played somewhere on the line of scrimmage. Um, decent athlete, I think, really will hit. Doesn't have a lot of ball production uh, or instincts or anything like that, but you know this range of the draft, you're probably talking about a guy that can at least fill some type of role for you, maybe match up with tight ends and man coverage with a little bit of development. Um, Will Harris from Boston College is an athlete. I, I love the way he moved at the Senior Bowl. He's not super polished from what I got. I got the impression of just watching him a little bit. I need to put on more of his tape and see if there's anything there. Testing will help determine kind of how high the NFL will be on him. But a lot of Boston College defensive backs have been going to the NFL and doing pretty well for themselves lately. So that is going to pique teams' interest uh, given the hotbed that team's kind of become. 
And Delvin Randall from Temple, not a very athletic guy, but has some crazy interceptions this past season. Uh, is is a leader and a, a, a vocal guy, going to be a special teams force in the NFL. Um, he's a guy that you like as a depth type safety, I think. I liked him a lot coming into the year. Then the more I watched him, I just thought, I don't know that this has the athleticism to start at the NFL level or be a preferred starter at the NFL level. But Still has made some good plays this year, was really banged up a year ago. This past season was healthier and I thought played a lot better. So those are some interesting names. And then Evan Worthington is Ben Solak, who writes over at the Draft Network with me. That's his kind of sleeper guy, sort of. He says he's really frustrating, up and down play. I haven't seen any Worthington except a little bit I saw at the Shrine game. He looked solid, but has some good athleticism, really long, lanky safety who can run. But I just don't know if there's any type of mental processing or instincts there, natural ball skills. Um, he just is really, really inconsistent on tape. So in that range of the draft, you know, I think that's where the guys like him are, are definitely worth uh, trying to take and develop. Oh, brilliant. Thank you very much for that breakdown of the, the DB room. So if we take the position out of it and someone had to say, guess that Browns pick at 17 and the Browns pick at 49 in the second round. Now, I know it's really early. You want those numbers, but give us two names that you're going to predict as those picks. Yeah, I think if I'm guessing right now, corner is going to be such a burning desire for this team uh, that they got to fill it in some ways. But I think maybe with a young corner already in place and Peppers is kind of young and you know, Randall's never you know, as good a player as he's looked in Cleveland. He's never been kind of heralded for his leadership. So I wonder if that is the direction they kind of choose to go in. They get a veteran. There's a couple guys available and maybe they get a veteran and another young guy later in the draft. So let's say Christian Wilkins is on the board. Round one, I think that that's the kind of guy Dorsey would buy into. Uh, it makes sense from a fit perspective. He can play one or three or whatever. You know, he can be very versatile. He played defensive end his first two years at Clemson. So I think he got a lot better this past season. That's a fit that makes some sense to me. And then, you know, the other the other pick, the 49th pick, is you know, maybe that's the range where you go corner. Maybe a Julian Love from Notre Dame makes sense in that uh, that range again. You're talking about character guys. You're talking about hard workers, those kind of guys that, you know, Browns took a lot of risk with some of their picks last year. They've taken a lot of risk over the years with some of their picks. You need some of those types of guys to balance everything out. And I think you add Wilkins, you add Love to this team. You get better at two spots. Love doesn't necessarily have to start right away, depending on what they do in free agency. Uh, you get better and you get some versatility with both of those guys. Uh, you get better in the locker room and you get better on the field. So that would be, if I'm just guessing today, the end of January here, you know, I think that's probably the two best bets I have for who the Browns' first two picks will be. No, brilliant. Thank you very much for that. I've just got one question. It's always something I've always wondered this season is when scouts and guys like you are going and watching games in the college season rather than sort of the senior bowl and stuff, What's the difference between being there live and watching the players um, compared to sort of grinding the tape and all 22 um, when you can get that? I think the only difference, there's is minimal difference, first of all. You know, I don't think it's a big deal at all if you don't end up there. The best thing about going to games and why guys go to games, and I don't really do it even very often, uh, but Cal and Joe do uh, for us over at the Draft Network, and Ben Solak has also been out to a couple games. So those guys usually take care of that stuff. And I'm on the site doing stuff there while they're out at the games on the weekends, kind of balance it out a little bit. But uh, the reason, big reason those guys do is rub shoulders with scouts, talk to people, build sources, you know, find out who the NFL is interested in, those kind of things. It's super useful from that perspective. And that stuff has been really, really helpful to us, the information they brought back in terms of organizing our board and even prioritizing who to watch and who's going to declare early and things like that. You learn a lot of that stuff ahead of time. 
uh, by being able to rub shoulders with those guys and kind of talk to them a little bit. So that's one part of it that, that's helpful. The only part from a scouting perspective, I will say I've had different takeaways on players' levels of athleticism from viewing them in person versus viewing them on tape. I don't know why, but I think something about seeing them run and seeing them move functionally in person definitely changes things for me. I can see most of the time it confirms what I saw on tape, but occasionally there'll be a couple instances that I can think of where I've been like, man, that guy's faster than I thought or he's slower than I thought or not as explosive out of his brakes as I thought. Um, and it's helpful to see those things on tape because even on – even if you're talking about all 22, if you're talking about a wide receiver, you know, you're pulled back pretty high uh, on, that sh- on that high shot uh, often on the camera you're often have a worse view of that on all 22 than you would even in person from a press box. Um, it's just a clear view uh, from the press box a lot of times, especially if you have binoculars, things like that. So that aspect of it is a little bit helpful when you're pulled back uh, on the camera view. And when you're watching the tape, you sometimes can't see the nuances of that footwork and the, and the view behind the line of scrimmage doesn't always give it to you either uh, if it's the tightest shot. So that's the one advantage I would say when you're watching wide receivers and corners on the outside, they're still all 22, even from the high angle, doesn't always give you a great look at those guys and you can see them a lot better in person but really the all 22 if you have it you know that's that's almost as good and and there really isn't a million different benefits to going and seeing guys in person I think it all ends up being pretty comparable no worries thank you so much Um, I started following you and Trevor a year ago going into sort of the last draft season and it was great having you guys on locked on um, draft every day and I had to go around and find different bits to get the draft and chase stuff. And now you've made my life and everyone's life so much easier because I just have to type in the draft network and you've done it all for me. So plug the draft network. It's really good. It just makes everything all in the same place. Yeah, absolutely. We've had a lot of fun with it. I'm glad to hear that you got, you've enjoyed it as well, but uh, it's been, it was our real desire was just to make a one-stop shop for people for NFL draft content. And we felt like there were a lot of sites that did different aspects of it well, but we wanted to make it all one collective space. You know, not that other people's opinions won't be valuable at other sites. They definitely will be. But our thought was just, can we, can we create a hub that kind of has all the aspects of draft coverage that people like? And so, yeah, coming up on February 25th, we'll be launching a really a facelifted site. It'll look totally different. People are, I think that's the part that people are going to be surprised by the sites going to look even at that and I think it looks nice now Trevor did a good job but the company that's developing it for us now is going to really facelift to make the whole thing look really really good um, so it's going to be awesome and then we're going to have also build your own big board uh, feature where people are going to be able to go in use our board of 500 we're probably going to add to it but five, at least 500 prospects to build their own board out as long as big as they want they can build positional boards if they want as well um, and they can also uh, use that board to use our mock draft machine they can draft from their own board, simulate from their own board, whatever they want to do. But we're going to have a big simulation of all the picks as well. So it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, we're looking forward to it, and we hope that uh, everybody's looking forward to it as well. No worries. So make sure you go and follow the Draft Network. Check out their site. Listen to Locked On NFL Draft. You've got the Draft Dudes as well. We had Joe Marino on earlier in the season. And plug your Twitter. Yeah, at Ledyard, L-E-D-Y-A-R-D, NFL Draft. No worries. Thank you so much for coming on. Please make sure you um, subscribe to the show, rate us five stars, just help us keep growing. We can keep bringing on fantastic guests like this. Massive thank you to John and everyone who he works alongside. And uh, no, have a fantastic combine. And uh, I look forward to listening to your stuff from there. Thanks so much. Really appreciate you having me on.